Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Wednesday show. We've got a fantastic guest, and I've got my great co-host, Kim, as well. And it's episode 269. We're into February, folks. Where's the year going? I don't know. But I'm going to let my guest introduce himself first, Jeff Cope. Would you like to just give a quick outline of what you're about, Jeff? And um, that would be great. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Jonathan and Kim. And um, I'm Jeff Cobb, and I've uh, I've been working in the market for adult lifelong learning, continuing education, professional development for more than two decades at this point. And so I've seen a huge amount change in that time period. And, um, and particularly in recent years, uh, I feel like there's just been a real learning revolution. And I've written a book by that name, and I think it's opened up a huge number of op- opportunities for organizations that serve that market. But um, even more so recently, we're seeing the, uh, just the tremendous growth of entrepreneurial activity in the market. So solo entrepreneurs, small businesses that are jumping in um, using a variety of different platforms uh, to deliver learning, to reach their audiences, and, and really to uh, add a whole new element to the, this market that I've been serving for so long. So that, I'm all about that market and, and the people who, who serve it, basically. Oh, that's great. And uh, Kim, would you quickly like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Along with being the co-host of this great show, I am Kim Schivler. I'm a communication strategist and instructional design consultant and looking forward to our uh, conversation today. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a WordPress maintenance support um, service and company with a speciality on learning management systems and membership sites using WordPress. And before we go into the interview um, I just want to quickly mention our sponsor of the of this episode and that's Kinster Hosting. Um, WP Tonic uses Kinster to host our own site. Um, it's a fantastic um, hosting company. It only hosts WordPress and if you go to the WP Tonic um, to see the full show notes and the full interview with Jeb um, there will be links to Kinsta, and they are affiliate links, and you would be helping the show if you decide to utilize their services, either yourself or for your clients. But like I say, they're a great hosting company. We host the WP Tonic site with them, and they've just been a fantastic. So let's go straight into the interview with Jeff. Um, so I've watched a, a few of your interviews, Jeff, and... Um, to say that you're the right man at the right time would be an understatement. Um, it just seems to be an explosion in um, online courses and training. And um, I, was, I was thinking what my first question would be with you. Um, so obviously, like web design, web design um, was a new mythology of communication, but it got a lot of its origins from the past from print it's kind of language from print and from poster design in some ways so i think online education gets some of its vocabulary and 
framework from the past, but it's also a very new mythology, isn't it? Would you, first, would you agree with that? And secondly, how do you see it kind of breaking away from it from its past in a way, from what happened in the past to become a, a new way of education? Yeah, great question. I, I think you're absolutely right that um, that online is definitely borrowing a, a lot from the past. And um, and the funny thing that's happening at the same time is a lot of the past approaches to education are coming under fire, um, getting a lot of criticism. So, you know, the, the first move that you'll see most people make, whether they're organizations, entrepreneurs, whatever, when they jump into online learning is, is often going to be to do a webinar um, or, you know, a series of webinars and they'll, they may use them for marketing. They may try to sell them, whatever the case might be, but they're going to go online with this tool that'll allow them to present PowerPoint to the world, which of course has been happening in lectures for, you know, decades and decades. And before that it was a chalkboard, you know, but it's basically somebody standing there talking at you, putting something up on a board um, and hoping you're going to learn something in the process. And, you know, to be honest, that's always been flawed in the classroom. I mean, there's a place for it. Um, it, it does serve its purpose at times, but to totally depend on that is a horrible way to go about educating people or helping people learn. Unfortunately, that tends to get transferred into the online world. So you have these PowerPoint presentations. Sometimes you get some video thrown in with an expert, you know, talking at you and very little real learning going on. And, you know, so that's happened. And then also as people have moved into self-paced courses, it's really just been taking that and making it self-paced. Um, so you still got the lecturer delivering at you, you know, through some form of uh, video um, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, fortunately, that's changing some in the in the actual classroom, um, you know, educational institutions, other types of training providers are catching on to the fact that, uh, you know, you really need to facilitate learning. You need to, to help people engage with it, um, help them find their own motivation, connect with it, use good learning practices. The science has just improved tremendously, you know, over the, the course of the last decade. We just know so much more about how people learn. And so, you know, to go to how that's uh, now impacting online learning, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, A, learners take control, you know, because learners can go out and, um, you know, the catalog now for, for online courses really is Google. Um, and it's no longer courses. You know, people are searching and they may get a course, they may get a brief video, they may get a document. They're going to put together what they need to, to learn. And I think the, the entrepreneurs and the, you know, uh, traditional organizations that get that are, are starting to reshape their learning and realize the possibilities that the web is offering. And so they're figuring out, you know, how can we curate that? How can we help that process? Um, and then, you know, how can we help that interaction and engagement? Uh, and uh, I won't go too deeply into it right now, but for example, right now we're running an online conference and we are doing some of the traditional, you know, delivery of expert content, but we've got a community um, going with it. We've extended it over a few weeks so that people are able to interact, ask questions, engage with each other, um, we're providing some prompts along the way, so just, just some things to help them find the learning that they actually need and be able to bring it back and connect with others. And that's really hard to do in a traditional education setting. You know, you can go off to college for four years and maybe have that, but your average adult is in no position to do that. But the web and online make that possible if you actually start to leverage those tools that we've been given. And, uh, and we're starting to see more and more of that. Oh, thanks for that. Um, before I bring Kim in with her questions is, do we actually have any idea how people do learn things? Oh, all, all sorts of ideas. I, I mean, it depends, depends what perspective you're, you're coming from. Um, but, you know, as far as what it actually takes for people to be able to learn things, you know, we know, for example, that um, I, I, I taught Russian many, many years ago, and there was a, 
a Russian saying, which is repetition is the mother of learning. And unfortunately, we've done repetition very badly in the past because it's just been rote repetition and memorization. But repetition is important. And we're finding, for example, that when people can space learning out over time and practice things repeatedly over time and, and, and practice is a key word there, not just read them um, again and again, but actually apply them um, in their situation. That's, that's one of the key areas, you know, to, to take learning and do what's called elaboration and connect it back to what you already know. Um, just scraping the, 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 the tip of the iceberg there, there's just really good science on how people learn now. And it translates well into what should we be doing as people who are educators or, or facilitating learning with the experiences that, uh, that we're putting together. That's great. Kim, have you got any questions? You're muted, Kim. I know I'm muted. I had to untap mute. Oh, you know, I have questions. Um, this is my wheelhouse too. Yeah, we're right, we're right in your, yeah. You're. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like always want to move Jonathan out of the way and just geek out with the other educators for hours. Uh, so what, here's one of the things you were mentioning was the, you know, the bad practice of just taking that PowerPoint delivery and, and moving it online. Part of that I always have felt wasn't just that it was an old education practice. In a lot of ways, it was the corporate education practice by people who had no concept of the science of learning. Right. And then it got transferred in to online because the first on, because for one, I think the first people who grasped online learning once the internet was popular were the internet marketers. Very true. Who are you seeing now? Because I've been getting excited about some things I'm seeing. Who are you seeing now that's really coming to the forefront and, and bringing in some of these better practices for, hey, guys, we really need to make this truly educationally sound because we've fortunately now gotten to the fact, to the point where it's so crowded out there that some of the credier stuff's going to fall to the wayside. Mm. Who should we be looking to really to, to help us pull us up on that? Yeah. You know, I, I would say, um, you know, the best of the internet marketers, uh, you, you know, reference them. And I, I followed them for quite a while now because I realized back when I was writing my book, I was focusing mostly on sort of traditional continuing education, professional development organizations. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing, you know, all these marketers uh, like Brian <laughs> Clark at Copyblogger, he had this whole thing called teaching sales. And it was all about how impactful teaching can be as a sales tool. And they got heavily into doing online courses and online communities as a result of that. And they do it quite well. I mean, they have people there who do understand learning now and are trying to make it into a, a meaningful learning experience. So you see that type of thing going on out there with, with the best uh, of the internet marketers, the people who recognize that this isn't a one-shot deal, that you want to attract these people in and build a relationship with them and be a learning resource for them over time. And I think if there's one key trend in adult learning in particular right now, it's, it's moving beyond transactions and into relationships so that you become that go-to resource for learning and learning takes time. So you want to mm-hmm. recognize that as part of what you're doing. So, you know, certainly uh, you know, some of those types of uh, uh, companies, um, again, you know, copy blogger does it. Uh, Ryan Dice, who's, you know, internet marketer par excellence. Uh, he, he, he does quite a bit of it. He's a little more lecture heavy than, than uh, some of the others, but he, he still has very compelling content that, uh, that he offers. And then, you know, we've had this, um, this conference going on that I mentioned, the online conference. So we've had, you know, quite a few examples come in. These are going to be more in kind of the organizational, the trade and professional uh, association type role, but just the types of things that people are doing. Um, 
you know, micro learning has become a big buzzword uh, these mm -hmm. days, which means you know, very short chunks of learning. People usually associate it with video. It doesn't necessarily have to be video, but it's usually things that, that people can, you know, do in five or 10 minutes, um, basically, uh, and then maybe move on to another thing to do in, in five or 10 minutes and, and get those short bites of learning that uh, align with their need, align with their attention span, um, give them the ability to repeat, give the ability to prepare themselves for a longer learning experience or to reinforce a longer learning experience. So we're seeing organizations do that. Um, you know, the Ohio Society of CPAs, for example, is doing that. They're actually CPE, where you have to earn credit for learning. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing in the accounting profession. And you traditionally have to go to these day-long seminars and earn your hours and hours of CPE. They've got it down to where their state board is allowing them to offer 10-minute CPE. So you can get 10, uh, you know, a, a 10 minute credit for CPE and accumulate those up to an hour. Um, so pretty interesting uh, approach there. We had a, another organization, um, this fellow Mark Nillis from a group called um, Qmentum present, and they're using a tool called Booster Learn. And that is, that's a specific technology, but the, the technique they're using is, is boosting learning basically. So it's an email program where um, following an event, they send out a, a sequence of questions over about eight weeks or so uh, to, to give just some, some brief, you know, recall type assessments uh, for people to help them make sure that they're recalling what they learned at the event and also giving them some things that they can apply in, in the setting. And any, anybody could do that. They're, they're an organization that happens to be doing that, but, you know, your average entrepreneur um, could do that sort of thing. So that kind of spaced learning, reinforcement of learning, making sure your learning is actually having an impact, um, which if you're in the learning business, you want to do that because that's, that's what's going to keep people coming back is when you're able to do that. So, you know, that, that's an interesting one. Um, we've seen quite a bit happening with virtual conferences. Um, my company, Tagoras, is behind our uh, virtual conference. Uh, and, um, you know, we like to think we're doing some good things there in terms of providing community and, and treating learning not as a transaction and not as an event, but as a process and a relationship and trying to actually shape uh, what we're calling a conference into being something quite different from your traditional conference. Excellent. Um, yeah, I had micro learning on my list too, but mm -hmm. you just covered what I would have said. I loved that you pointed out the, the fact that we can now access things. And I think that a lot of that's the technology, the micro learning piece right. of we now have the search that I can get right to what I want and get just that and, and do this in chunks and do it over time. Like mm -hmm. you said, otherwise, you know, you go to college four years, but even in a four-year degree, you can't just automatically pull up what you needed from right. your freshman year once you're in your sophomore, yeah. senior year. Um, one thing has concerned me, and I'd really love your feedback because you're one of the other people we've brought on who has a background in the more of the traditional education also. And you pointed out that people are seeing the value of really giving the student what they need to learn so that they keep coming back. And one of the places I think that that's going to flesh out, I've been teaching this and preaching this for the last several years, but I'm seeing it with my customers now coming back to me and saying, you were right, uh, is that we got into this phase of where you mentioned video learning. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is, is all you, if all you give people is a video, right. you've, you really, you've given them a YouTube channel, not a true class that they can go back and they can reference and, you know, they can, they can do that quick reference we need on our steps without going back and forth in the video uh -huh. or, you know, like you would on a television channel. Now I'm starting to see people come back to me and go, yeah, I really probably do need to go put those written steps in because people are complaining about it. Yeah. From an ed perspective, I'd love to know your thoughts on those types of multiple touch points 
and how we evaluate that, that we really are getting to our learners what we need. Uh, yeah, I think it's incredibly important. Um, and, I, and I hesitate to even mention this. I certainly won't go too deep into it, but uh, there's been a hot debate, um, kind of a, uh, what do they call it, a tempest in a teacup among in instructional learning types around mm -hmm. um, learning styles and whether yes. learning styles are really meaningful. And, you know, and, and the, the conclusion is when it comes to uh, sort of teaching and really leveraging learning styles in a meaningful way, the answer is kind of no. But, but we do know that using multimedia and giving people different ways to access content does result in, in better learning. Right. Um, and so you can't rely just on video. You can't rely just on text. You can't rely just on audio. It's good to give people a, a mix. And I think particularly with video, you're spot on. Um, this isn't even a formal learning example, but I do happen to use um, a, a, a WordPress uh, plugin provider um, who does all of their support with brief videos. And it drives me nuts because I don't need to watch the five minute video. I just need to know that one thing, you know, that if I were just looking at a sheet of paper, I'd be able to find it very easily. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a headache uh, to deal with, um, with what they're doing in terms of support. And it's, I mean, support, of course, is a kind of informal learning uh, opportunity as well. So they should be paying attention to learning principles. All of you, yeah, all of you, you know, technology supporters out there recognize you're teaching, really. You're, you're supporting learning. Um, so definitely, you know, have the multiple mo modalities here. Give it to people in a way that they're going to be able to access it in the way that they need it when they need it. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, I, I, I pretty much tell people almost everything like that is a teaching mm. uh, opportunity. Support is a teaching opportunity. Sales is a teaching opportunity. <laughs> I know that there's a difference in, you know, selling and, and, and actually teaching, but, but it's all about sharing a message and transforming that or transferring that to someone, yeah. which is the basis of what teaching is. Yeah, I mean, so, in either case, you're changing behavior. You're out to change behavior. And if you don't know the tools that are going to help make that happen, which are the tools of learning, Yes, you're going you're to strike out. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to hand it back to Jonathan because I know we're coming up on our break. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to go for our break. We've had a fascinating, already a fascinating conversation with Jeff Cobb. And we'll be coming back in a few moments um, and we'll be discussing a lot of things. Back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back we've had a, a great discussion already um i'm just going to throw in a, another question in uh, jeff um seth golden um and when i read his book the dip mm -hmm. um obviously i would imagine you're well aware of the, of his book the dip and okay the kind of um, process he says that all learners go through where they have a serrated period and then they have this dip. Do you agree with the fundamental um, synopsis in the book? And are there any things that can help when somebody goes into the dip area? Mm. You know, I, I, that's actually one of Seth's books that I have to say I've not actually read, though I'm familiar with his, his thinking around it. So I, I'm not going to say that I'm offering a, a deep analysis yeah. of what he does there. 
but it is true um, that generally speaking, any sort of um, meaningful learning that's going to last is going to require effort. Um, there's, there's just no way around it. Um, and, uh, you know, anything that requires effort, you're going to have those times where it's just not clicking. Um, you know, that you, and you have to try to, to push through on it. Uh, so can I just interrupt slightly and yeah. not to be rude? Have we, have we got any, any idea of why things don't click? Well, I mean, you know, other than for, you know, fairly simple tasks, um, you know, and I mean, you know, I, I can maybe uh, learn to do something quickly on my computer and, and remember it, and it's not going to be a, a big deal. But for example, like if I'm trying to, to learn to play the guitar, which I've been doing my entire life, and I certainly have uh, ups and downs when it comes to that, um, you know, for, for learning to stick, um, you've got to basically weave the connections in, in your mind that are going to put it into long-term memory. And um, part of that process is uh, repetition and practice uh, over time, consolidation uh, of what you're learning into memory. Um, that, per, that, uh, that practice routine, um, you know, there's a process called effortful retrieval there. So, you know, you, you really have to make yourself bring it back out and, and use it uh, again. And if you're doing anything complex, um, you know, that has nuances and subtleties to it. Uh, you know, if I've got to master, not only master all the scales on, on the guitar, but then actually be able to translate them into meaningfully using them and creating a guitar solo of my own. I mean, that's a tremendous thing to, to accomplish. Um, and it's just natural that uh, you're going to practice up to a point and you're likely going to get hit a wall and you need to, to walk away and let your brain do some of the work um, that's going to help those connections to, to form, um, come back again, and keep working at it. Um, this is one of the reasons why motivation uh, is just so incredibly important. And I think it's overlooked in a lot of discussions uh, mm -hmm. around learning or, or in how people are approaching learning because you've really got to help learners tap their motivation. I think that's one of the best things that a teacher can do because if you can, if you can get the learner to tap their motivation, they're going to be willing to, to put in the effort and, and to push through when they hit that dip. Oh, thanks for that, Jeff. Back to you, Kim. I love that, the motivation being important I, and keeping them motivated. I, I love and I um, to know if you have any ideas about, particularly now that we're going in with where we can work with people over the time, ideas for continuing motivation or maybe being able to tap in as they start reaching those tough spots mm. to give them that motivation to get them over the next hurdle. Any ideas of how that to incorporate that into our, particularly our online programs? Yes, I, I mean I can speak about it um, broadly, and I, and I have to say this: this is an area that I'm I'm really intensely thinking about uh, right now myself, because uh, you know, particularly if you're trying to get a community going, um, get people participating over time, you you really have to to figure out motivation. Um, the one of the main sources that, that I look to are you know points of research and, and uh, inspiration is, um, is Edward Detchie's work. And I'm not sure if it's Detchie or Detchie. I've never known how to pronounce his name um, correctly. Uh, but it's, um, you know, he work, he's done some of the, the pioneering work in motivation. He has a great book called Why We Do What We Do. It's very readable. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he talks about motivation as being tied to really three concepts. One is autonomy. So just feeling like we have control, like we are autonomous individuals and, you know, that we're in a situation that we do have control over. Another is competency. 
So just feeling like we, we can do this, um, that, you know, we are in, in, improving. And the third one is connectedness. Um, so that uh, we're connected to others. Um, it, it's kind of the source of meaning in, in what we're doing. Um, you know, we're seeing that, uh, that this has meaning and that, and that, it, uh, that it works. And so I think when you're, you know, talking about designing and delivering learning experiences, to think about how you can support those three factors of motivation. How do you help people feel like they're in control? Like I, I referenced that support experience with the, um, the plug-in provider. I don't feel in control there. Um, it's actually demotivating to try to deal with support there because um, I can't get at what I want. So that, that's really important for motivation um, to give people a feeling of competency. And this is, you know, giving them some ways that they can show themselves that they are making progress, that they are getting it. And this goes back to your, your uh, question, Jonathan, about um, the dip. Um, you know, if, if you can get those little signals that, yes, I have mastered a little bit here and I can keep going and master more, um, just that level of competency is, is incredibly important. And then finally, the connectedness and, uh, you know, being able to connect learners together to share experiences, to, to hear what others are doing, um, to share what they're doing, to teach others, to learn from others. Um, to the extent that you can engineer all of those things into the learning experiences you're providing, you're going to substantially support motivation and really get people you know, into, into what you're providing. I think, I think my own observation when it comes to online courses, and I love your input on this and also um, Kim's, is that um, I think the two areas is repetition, repetition but also mentorship. Mm -hmm. And if you can combine those into your course at different price points, you know, have a starter course, but also having a really good description, a good outline of what precisely the course, who is the course aimed for, mm -hmm. and then offer some um, upscale, a pathway but also in the higher um, cost courses, offer real mentorship, real group or individual mentorship sessions. What do you think about that, Jeff? Absolutely. I mean, we, we've been focusing sort of more on the learning education side of the equation here. But, uh, you know, my, my total focus is on being in the learning business, in the education business. So I, I really focus on the business side, you know, quite a bit. How do you market effectively? How do you price effectively? How do you create you know, great products. And uh, I always think it's important. And this is where business and learning really mesh quite well. And what you're saying, Jonathan, that you, know, you want to give people options. That's a great thing to do from a business standpoint um, so that they can come in at a lower price point and you can, you know, eventually move them to a higher price point with higher value associated with it, something like a, a mentorship. That also aligns very well with learning um, because, you know, their initial need, they're probably not going to be going as, as deep. They just need to get some familiarity, some initial competency. But then if they decide they want to move into a, a more expert um, type level, you're providing them the, the option to do that. You're providing that path for growth, uh, which is a great thing to do for learning. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think um, uh, anybody who's going to offer uh, an online course uh, of any type should, should look at it and say, okay, what could I offer that's, you know, one or two steps down from this? Um, what can I offer that's one or two steps up from this? And have a minimum of three offerings whenever you put a product into the market just based off of that core content. What do you think, Kim? Absolutely. And that's something I've been working with with my clients and students for a while is um, having those different offers as well as what I'm seeing in the market now because more and more courses are coming online. If you want to charge a premium, people are paying for access. Mm -hmm. So whether that is a high-end coaching program or mentorship program, whichever you want to call it, however you want to lay it out, or even if it's a regular class, 
but instead of being the three ninety nine or four ninety nine class, it's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand because you have time for. I call it office hours with my students. I'm actually online there to help and support them X amount of time right. a week or critique their work, et cetera, give them feedback. Because that's something that a lot of times in the online learning, people rushing to this concept of passive income mm-hmm. that uh, it's lost. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I went through your four lessons, but now what? How do I know if I did anything right? And depending on what you're teaching, that may or may not be a case. But, um, but I definitely see it as something. And I think as we go forward, if you want to pay a pr- charge a premium price, you're going to have to have those premium programs more and more. Yep, definitely. Also, um, do you feel um, there are benefits um, to on the higher level um, that you actually have physical meetings? Do you think it is necessary at some stage? What, why is, and if you do agree with that, why do you think it helps in the learning process having the option of periodically having a, a conference or a weekend uh, meeting with students, with the, with the course creator or mentors? It's an interesting area. I would say that, I don't. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Um, you know, if you're if you're using the tools properly, um, you know, you can achieve very high levels of, of learning purely on online. And there's a good, you know, whole body of research around really the the medium not mattering so much as the methods and being able to employ the right methods in, in whatever medium you're using. Now that said, you know, from from both a business and a learning standpoint, um, I'm still very much a fan of face to face. You know, I think things happen in, in face-to-face that, um, you know, you just can't count on happening in, a, uh, in an online environment. Um, uh, knowledge gets shared, uh, behaviors get modified in, in ways that just aren't going to happen in an online environment. And then I think from a business standpoint, you know, if you're able to build that face-to-face relationship with uh, your customers, you know, when you're back online with those people, um, that, that connection is just going to be that much deeper. Mm-hmm. We talked about connection earlier around uh, motivation. Um, you know, you start to have a highly motivated group when, when you're meeting with those, it may just be your core followers, you know, the, the 10 or the 20 or the 50, but that group of people gets really motivated. They get really, you know, almost evangelistic. And if they're in your online community, for example, they're probably going to be the ones who are, you know, really driving um, that community for you. So I, I, I think there's a lot of value still um, in, in face-to-face. And you see it a lot with the online providers um, almost inevitably start moving towards also having, you know, a major annual event or something like that where they're, where they're pulling people together. Um, got a final question, Kim, and then we'll wrap up the um, podcast part of the show. I had one. Um, I loved your idea of talking about even an online community, uh, building it to a point where people could teach and learn from others. Mm. Really uh, powerful stuff because, you know, one of the best ways to learn is to teach. Right. I have to learn it well enough to explain it to somebody else. Have you done that online? So in my classes, a lot of times I have forums where people are sharing, mm-hmm. but I've never, I've done it in offline classes, but never in an online class. Have you ever done anything where you actually formally set up to where students would take a small chunk and teach it to the other part of the group? And if so, you know, what was the response to that? We have. In fact, it's a central part of uh, our events, um, both um, online and, and face-to-face. We've done this. We, have, we do what we call content pods. Um, 
which are short 15 to 20 minute uh, talks. Um, and we've even done 10 minute talks, uh, which we call 10 minute talks uh, at one of our events. And for those in particular, um, we go specifically to people who attend our events, um, people who are typically the learners and recruit them to deliver um, some of those short segments on, on something they're passionate about. And in this current online conference, um, we actually went uh, total practitioner, uh, basically. So we presented some of the content, but we also went to some of our usual students and said, we'd like you to do a full-blown workshop on this, an hour and a half long uh, online workshop. And so most of our, we had, we've had a total of eight workshop sessions. We only delivered one of them, and we've had practitioners deliver the other seven um, you know, and we always hear back from those people that it's just, it's a fantastic experience because, you know, th they know this stuff, but as you were saying, Kim, you know, to, to really kind of master it, to, to, you have to teach it, you know, you have to go through that process of how am I going to explain this to somebody else? And that uh, we've just had some incredibly valuable sessions as, as a result of that. Thank you. Great. We're going to wrap up the um, pod part of the show, folks. But if you want to see more of our discussion, you'll be able to go to the WP Tonic website and we're going to continue the discussion with Jeff. Um, I'm going to ask Jeff some questions, um, probably about Malcolm Gladwell's couple of his books uh, and see what Jeff's been really great with our questions. Uh, um, so, Jeff, um, how can people contact you and learn more about what you and your company is doing? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm in a, a number of different places. Um, probably most likely for the, uh, the WP Tonica audience, um, I would say check out my Learning Revolution site, uh, which is at learningrevolution.net. And um, the great thing is if you go there, uh, I've got um, my Learning Revolutionaries uh, toolbox, which I've just recently put out a completely revised and new edition of that completely free. You don't even have to give me your email address. I just want people to wow. get it. Um, and it goes through like all of the different tools that you would use to create and deliver uh, online courses. Um, it's wow. about 33 pages long. So really, really chock full of good information. So go to learningrevolution.net, download the, the, the toolbox. And, um, and of course, there's a contact form there, which you, you'll be able to get straight to me from that. Well, make sure that's in the show notes. Um, Kim, how can people contact you and find out what you're up to? I think the easiest way is to check out all my different platforms uh, at kimshivler.com. So whether you're looking for the WordPress online course piece or just my instructional design and strategies, that's where you can find them. And if you want to find about WP Tonic, there's two great places. Go to the website. There's a load, there's a load of information on that website. If you're into learning management systems or membership sites, or go to the Facebook page. Um, all the latest interviews are on that, and I'm going to do a bit more activity on there myself. Um, if you want to really support the show, give us a review on iTunes. Um, it really does help the show, and I do periodically have a movie on the new ones, and I read about on the show, so that could be amusing. So we're going to wrap up this part of the show, but like I say, if you want to see more of our interview, go to the WP Tonic website or our YouTube channel. And we'll be back next week with somebody doing something either in WordPress or learning management systems, but they're doing something of something real interest. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.